Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Coming up on today's podcast, a seven-year-old is shot in his own home. We have the latest. The Vancore Group, the latest to provide their ideas for the Arena Entertainment Complex downtown. And why is the... And why are the teachers' unions bringing up all-day kindergarten when the education minister said it's going to stay? Are the unions running out of ideas? It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, just very, very tragic news uh, coming out of Hamilton as a seven-year-old injured after a suspect shot into a Hamilton home. Lisa Pileski is with us, a reporter here with uh, Global News 900 CHML and was at the press conference. What can you tell us about this? This is, uh, this is horrific. I mean, it, it, it's involving a seven-year-old child. Yeah, and any one of these cases where it involves a child, it just it has that much more of an impact. Um, actually, the detective in the case kind of said something along those lines. Um, I, I believe we have a clip. Uh, de- Detective Jim Callender. All right. You want to play that now for us, Will? Can you? This incident, when you look at the gravity of it, this is a seven-year-old innocent child was doing nothing that uh, precipitated the, the injuries that was sustained by them. We are looking for that community members, the people that do know something, to take that step forward, to tell the police what they know, help us move forward, help us solve the investigation. All right. uh, First, tell us about the boy. What can you tell us? What can you tell us about his condition? So he was initially taken to hospital in what police described as life-threatening condition. He is now stable. Um, That's pretty much all we know at this point. We do know as well that there were there was another child actually in the house at the time. Um, he's or that child. We don't know the right. gender. Uh, they are fine. Um, there were also three adults in the house at the time, as well as in, including the mother of both children. Uh, do we know anything uh, as far as the boy? W- was he just shot once? Was it more than once? Do we know any of that information at all? Police believe he was just shot once. He did apparently suffer two injuries, but they're still determining whether the other injury may have been something else. Uh, and what can you tell us about a suspect? We understand that this, this the house was targeted, not necessarily the person, the mm-hmm. boy. So the suspect, they uh, apparently, from what we can tell, they were in the backyard when they fired in through a window. Um, and they fled the scene by running back f- through uh, to the front yard where a car was waiting. Um, a light-colored four-door sedan is uh, the information mm. we have. Um, and the uh, so there are at least two suspects: the uh, the gunman and the uh, driver of the car. Where, uh, yeah. So uh, obviously, it looks like this was a planned attack of some sort. It was definitely targeted, but uh, as we've said, the the child was not the intended target. Right. Police are still trying to determine which of the occupants in the home were the intended targets. What do we know about the occupants of the home? Anything? Um. So we don't really know a lot. We know that the mother was in there. We don't know the uh, residence has not been um, known to police, but the suspects in the home are, or not suspects, or the people in the home were believed to uh, be known to police. Not a lot of information on that, though, at this point. Uh, happened just before eight o'clock. Any witnesses? Any people around? What did what did the neighbors hear? So we did. Uh, Global News did speak to one of the neighbors, um, Danny. He's not giving his last name, mm-hmm. but he lives just a couple doors down 
on Gordon Street, and um, he he heard the gunshot, and he uh, he initially walked down the street thinking it was coming from further down the street, but then he heard the commotion, a woman screaming in the house, uh, and he rushed in and uh, found the boy on the floor. Um, the mother there as well. Oh the boy, he reports that the boy was shot in the abdomen, um, was holding him. The boy was apparently asking, am I going to die? Oh, my. And it's just, it's just heartbreaking because Danny, this neighbor, tells us this is not the first child he's held in a, in a severe state of injury on this street. Um, I guess in 2014, Jesse Clark, 14-year-old Jesse Clark, was fatally stabbed on the same street. And that boy died in Danny, this neighbor's arms. Oh, my. So he's experienced this before, and it's just, it sounds like, you know, he he was clearly yeah. distraught and exhausted from this whole situation. Um, any idea how many shots he heard or how many shots were fired into the home at this point? Um, they didn't get into specifics on that. So I believe it was, you know, just one shot. They didn't get into details about whether the, a weapon or any evidence was recovered, just that the boy was shot. Uh, did the neighbors say anything about this house, uh, involved in situations before anything about the residents, uh, those in the neighborhood? What did they have to say about all of this? Um, I only spoke to Danny. He's the only one I heard mm-hmm. from, but he said, you know, this very nice little boy, had nothing bad to say about him, mm. didn't seem to have any kind of comment on whether or not this had been uh, a residence that was where any kind of trouble happened. So what? Uh, obviously suspects still at large. What are police saying about any of that? They've released information regarding the suspects. Uh, the only information that they've released is that they're looking for potentially two suspects. They have not released any information on what kind, whether or not they have any identities in mind. They're just formulating saying they're looking at evidence there's apparently a lot of video evidence there was a video camera on the porch mm. of the residence where the wow. okay. the boy was struck so that's all they're saying at this point uh did police say whether or if they're going to hold another press conference or if there's going to talk about this later on uh any believe, developing news on this i believe that's all the information that they're going to give today um according to spokesperson jackie penman i don't believe there's supposed to be another update are they looking for the public's help in, in searching for these people they are hoping that the public will be uh, able to provide any information um if anyone has any video surveillance in the area they said and you know people on the street have already been pretty helpful but of course mm. uh, the te- detective involved said he believes there's always something that someone knows yeah and they're you know Did the police say anything it. about releasing any of this video at this point or in the no, future no that has not been uh that was not touched on in the press conference so that it's not clear if we'll be seeing any images from the video surveillance what's the mood of uh the street i mean uh <laughs> I guess it's, you know, I don't mean to sound callous about this, but there are shootings. But man, when it's a seven-year-old kid who's just in his home, minding his own business, doing his own thing. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. Obviously, that's affected uh, the, the neighbor and such. Yeah, and the neighbor I spoke to, Danny, again, he was just, he seemed devastated. He said there's just so much violence, he said, especially happening bet- with youth. I mean, yeah. he's seen it twice now within six years, and... He's, he 
uh, quote from him. I'm, I'm, it's not exact. Right. He said it's getting to be like Compton. <laughs> that it, was what he wow. said. Wow. Uh, yeah. And interesting that uh, uh, Councillor Clark had had a, a, an altercation, a verbal altercation with with Eric Gert on all of this. Had heard anything more on the city's position on any of this? Uh, I just got in about uh, yeah. 15 minutes Fresh before this, the show, yeah. so okay. I did. Uh, but I do believe that City Council did weigh in. Um, I think there may have been a story in the news on it. So right. Stay tuned for that. Um, okay. But yeah, we know it did come up with Brad Clark yesterday asking why there was no uh, no mention of the guns and gangs in the 2020 budget presentation. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to it, Lisa. Thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Uh, Lisa Paleski has been with us, reporter, Global News 900 CHML, and uh, giving us an update on the uh, a press conference that she literally just got back from uh, in regard to all of this. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. The odd thing about this, I remember uh, reading uh, this headline in in the spec a couple of weeks ago, and I swear I used to uh, write a column for the spec for like six years uh, way back when. And I I honestly, I I think I had something very similar in the same headline. Uh, You know, why why can't we have nice things? But I think I was talking about the stadium. I think this was the arena project they were they were making reference to and such. But again. It doesn't matter whether it's a stadium, uh, whether it's an LRT, whether it's an arena project, whether it's uh, a highway. Uh, We cannot seem to do things right uh, if we do do them at all. And it's pretty frustrating for people in and around the city. And what my my commentary focuses on, you know, we seem to be changing mayors like the mayor. You know, I think I've been through three or four mayors since my time in Hamilton. And but the council seems to stay the same without with the you know the exception of a cod a few changing faces here and there the base of it still stays the same same basic half dozen people lifers that have been there forever are still there so you know what can we take from that I don't know uh, anyway feel free to weigh in on the commentary uh, and form your own opinion. Uh, but on the heels of that, uh, interesting enough, we all got a note this morning from uh, the Vancor Group and what they have profo- uh, proposed for the Arena Complex downtown, the First Ontario Centre. So let's bring in uh, Mario Frankovich, Project Advisor for the Vancor Group. Before we do that, I want to bring uh, play you a couple of clips from uh, Councillor Jason Farr, who was on earlier this morning with Bill Kelly. Uh, Obviously, what's happening here is is they've asked for and are receiving uh, proposals from various groups as to what to do with the uh, the downtown uh, core and, and, and the entertainment precinct and First Ontario and such, which is why I guess they, they weren't interested in the Lime Ridge Mall proposal from the Bulldogs and such. Uh, here's what uh, Councillor Jason Farr had to say on the process. This is the result of uh, listening to what, you know, Council's been talking about since really de-amalgamating HECFI, bringing, uh, uh, you know, third-party operators for our facilities into the play, I don't know, was that six, seven years ago now, and then ultimately leading towards uh, finding operation capital dollars from the private sector and less, even less of a burden on the on the taxpayers. Many hyper-local and many proven in, in terms of hundreds of millions of dollars in investments, and not just in the downtown, but uh, really devoted Hamilton citizens. Ultimately, we have to uh, hear from staff on that on February 5th and sort of uh, put our, our path forward for the, the months to follow, not, you know, six months or a year, but, you know, a couple of months it's probably going to take to come up with some, you know, which, which proposal works uh, the best in the interest of the taxpayers. 
All right, let's bring in Mario Frankovich, Project Advisor, Vancor Group, and is with us now. Mario, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. Good to chat with you. Uh, well, Mario, great to hear from you. And uh, this is one, I guess, of, of a couple of different proposals people are coming forward with, with what to do with the downtown precinct. Tell us about this. Well, I, I can speak to our proposal, and certainly you are right. There is at least one other. And uh, uh, this project uh, is, is something that Darko is committed to. He's excited about. And really, it fits into a, a vision that he's had for quite some time for Hamilton to have a dynamic and, and vibrant downtown. Uh, certainly, Darko has invested substantial uh, investments into the core uh, with buildings that we all are familiar with. There's a lot more planned. And, and this is uh, one more exciting uh, opportunity that Darko sees fitting into his vision, and, and more than anything else, I think Darko would love to share his vision with the city and, and hope uh, that uh, the community is excited about the, the vision and, as, as Darko is. What are you proposing here? Tell everybody about this. Well, the proposal focuses initially on the arena. The arena is in, uh, in first off, I, I have fond memories of the arena. I been to some Canada Cup games. Uh, I was uh, up in the Upper Bowl when uh, the 6-5 uh, win occurred in the Canada Cup. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of great memories there. Uh, unfortunately, it's in dire need of emergency repairs. Uh, there's there's no way of phrasing it any other way. Michael Anlauer uh, has uh, identified that. Uh, anyone else who's looked at the arena has identified there. There's an urgency to deal with the uh, arena. And there's an urgency to have a solution that uh, uh, Michael Andlauer can take a look at at some point to say, you know what, this either works for him or, or it doesn't work for him. So time is of the essence, and, and that's why we're the first conversation focuses so much on uh, a complete reinvention of the arena. Uh, the arena will have the lower bowl and the upper bowl. The primary focus is making the lower bowl state-of-the-art in terms of technology, in terms of loose seating, uh, suites, uh, club sections, uh, a, a tremendous improvement in concessions and washrooms, the technology available to uh, be served through your, your personal devices and hmm. be interactive uh, in numerous uh, fashions. And that's the that's the first focus. Uh, it's not taken away from the fact that uh, Darko's vision is to have a right size uh, convention center that is equally state of the art from a technology perspective, digital media, social media, uh, the ability to have uh, uh, the most modern way of not just hosting a a substantial conference but making it so that it is relevant to those who attend and meets the expectations of those who plan, uh, plan to have conferences and conventions in Hamilton. Uh, the Hamilton Place does need some cosmetic work. It also needs some techno technology uh, upgrades. And you're going to hear technology uh, frequently in this conversation because to be part 
of the opportunities to host and to entertain people, you have to be current. So there is a very, very substantial investment that's going to be made uh, into that. But all, all of those facilities are going to be, uh, well, the arena especially reinvented, the convention center reinvented, and the concert hall refreshed. So is this is this uh, more of a reno than it is a tear down, start over sort of thing? So you're still you're still talking about the the same bones for the first Ontario Center. Well, the bones are there. We've done a lot of homework on the bones, but to call it a reno is selling the vision short. Right. Uh, you are uh, really gutting. Uh, effectively, your lower the lower bowl. Right. You you will not recognize the lower bowl. You will not recognize what it looks like, what it feels like to be in it, uh, to uh, participate in the technology. It will. You will not recognize it. You will not know it. So while yes, we, we're using that building, we're using the structure of the building that is sound, mm-hmm. but is being. Reinvented is the more accurate phrase versus renovated. It is so much more. Uh, obviously, uh, lots of chatter in the past in regard to the Bulldogs and Lime Ridge Mall. Uh, what about seating and, and, and attendance for this sort of thing? Because many said they uh, didn't want to remove First Ontario Centre because it does have the capacity for larger uh, as a larger venue. Uh, uh, OHL teams, Bulldogs, would have you looking at you know 6,000 seaters in and around there. How, how do you balance that? So we, we've heard and and i want to make it abundantly clear we have respected and and provided distance to michael Uh, we understand uh, that his aspiration is to have something on the mountain it would be very insulting to michael who's been such an outstanding citizen and and great corporate partner for the city of hamilton it would be very insulting to him to try and go out there and sell him and talk to him when really he knows what he wants and, you know, we respect that. But what we have done is we've listened. And we've heard that Michael's looking for somewhere between 6,500 and 7,000 seats. And we can do that in the lower bowl. We've come up with some uh, tremendous innovations for how to take the upper bowl out of the picture when the uh, – uh, OHL team is playing and make it feel mm-hmm. like a 6,500 or 7,000 seat arena. However, here's the reality. The NHL specification is that a scoreboard must be at least 26 feet, I believe is the number, off of surface level. Uh, other uh, hockey associations use a similar standard. If you're going to put in a screen that goes from blue line to blue line that then is proportionate in its width that is extremely then proportionately high what you find is you really can't lower the roof Mm. in order to accommodate that we've gone through that with the architect and who's come up with a fabulous innovation to make it appear when you take the scoreboard and and the it's not really scoreboard when you take the technology and, and put it at center ice, mm-hmm. 
he has done and they have done a wonderful job in disguising and making that fit in. It's not, and I'm not trying to demean anyone when I say, but those black curtains look like you're in a funeral home. Yeah. And this is brought to life, and it it will really... Uh, Sharing of that vision. So you're using technology to shrink the size, uh, theoretically, of this. You're, you're, it's, it's, you're using technology, using screens, this sort of thing. Is that accurate? That is accurate. We're yeah. using technology. We're using visual effects yeah. uh, in order to shrink the appearance of the hmm. size of the, are- of the arena. And, um, you know, again, it's the a, it's a vision that, that Darko has and the way it fits in. And it's kind of funny. We started this back in early 2009. Darko gave me a, a call and, and asked, you know, do you want to spend some time blue-skying some ideas? Hmm. So we did. And, and then, you know, that really started the dreaming phase of any mod- any kind of vision. You've got to dream. And that started the dreaming part. Uh, in June, at the beginning of June, he retained me, and, and, and Darko started working very seriously on the next step, which is the planning stage. You can dream, but then you have to plan. And, and Darko has been very meticulous and granular and detailed in a plan that, as we sit today, is fully baked and ready to go. And, and so are there drawings and, and, and renderings of all of this to, to, to give us an idea, or is that, are we far too early along for that stage? Oh, we are not far too early, and we will be sharing those. Uh, we've got a, we're just waiting on a couple of uh, further modifications from our architect, and we will be sharing the renderings uh, in very short order. And we're so far beyond the rendering stage. We have, as I say, Darko is ready. We were working with the architect who uh, uh, redeveloped the North Bay Arena, where the North Bay OHL team works. Or sorry, plays. He worked on uh, the Meridian Center. Uh, Darko is engaged a uh, an arena specialty construction firm to work in tandem with his team. Uh, that. That group built the Meridian Center in St. Catharines. They did the renovation of the Kitchener Auditorium for the Rangers. Uh, you know, there's so much expertise that has been able to go to a very granular, le- granular level to say, and here's the detail. So... And- uh, I'm, I'm just going to whip through the points here in your uh, press release. Uh, Vancor will not request uh, for operating subsidies of any from the city, uh, city's entertainment and convention properties. The city will continue to own both the Arena and First Ontario Concert Hall, while Vancor would operate such facilities through a long-term licensing agreement. Vancor will not request the city to borrow any money or draw upon any reserves to contribute towards the development, the construction of an additional four-star hotel in the downtown core to serve uh, the expanded Hamilton Convention Center. So what does this cost the city? How does this all work? How does this all play out? Well, we, I was at many of the GIC meetings with the city, and the purpose was to listen, to understand what is it that the city is asking for. And what we have heard, and most notably from Councillor Marula, is that the city doesn't want to spend uh, any money on subsidizing, does not want to contribute any cash to any of the construction and that the city has such 
legitimate tools as licensing, permitting, zoning, and other things that can help out. Our proposal uh, is asking to sit down to understand what those uh, permits, licenses, the zonings, etc., have to uh, offer uh, in making the equation work for Vrancourt on the $200 million uh, investment. So we're not asking for the city to write any checks here. We're trying to abide by what we've heard as the request for, I would call it an informal request for proposals. Can anyone come forward and do this for us? Uh, And it sounds like from that process, a couple of parties have come forward and said, we think we can do it. Uh, From Darko's perspective, he knows he can do it. He can do it. He, he's got no conditions for financing. But without understanding and exploring with the city what it is that they were talking about in terms of permitting, licensing, uh, zoning, other things that they have to offer on a project, uh, we need to understand that before we can say there's a definitive agreement. And and then uh, Rancor would love to start uh, a construction on the arena ASAP. Uh, because we're talking a 12 to 14 month construction period that would uh, renovate uh, and reinvent the arena. And from what we understand from our architects and our construction specialists uh, in arenas, uh, that can be done without a significant disturbance to the hockey team or to major shows. Hmm. Um, uh, how do you expect the Hamiltonians to to receive this? Uh, just lost an LRT that was supposed to be free. Now this sort of thing without a cost to the city. Uh, what do you think the response from the Hamiltonians is going to be? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's very hard for me to guess at and, and speculate on, uh, Scott. What I can say is, uh, at least speaking definitively from uh, the Brandcore perspective and, and Darko's perspective, he has a vision. He's not just dreamed it, he has planned it. He is ready to go with it. And if uh, council deems it to be appropriate and in the interests of taxpayers, uh, um, I think we're in a position by uh, the, the late summer of 2021 to be... Uh, uh, equipped with a, an awfully wonderful new arena. But that's all we can do is propose. Uh, we have to find out what the will of uh, Hamilton is and, and what is it the councillors would like to see. So what happens now? Where do you go from here, Mario? Well, uh, February the 5th, there is a GIC meeting. Uh, we're uh, hoping that we are included on that uh, uh, agenda. We will have... Uh, our architects with us at that time. Uh, uh, we will have uh, all of. We'll have a, a number of renderings there, and as I said earlier, we're looking to release uh, some renderings prior to that uh, as well. But at that meeting, we would uh, love to make our proposal and uh, answer any questions that the uh, city may have, and uh, then we wait to find out what. Uh, if anything, next steps are that the city is uh, is interested in. 
Very exciting. We'll be watching. Mario Frankovich has been with us, project advisor for the Vancor Group. They have provided the city with an outline of their intent to redevelop uh, the entertainment and convention properties. The city has, of course, First Ontario Centre, uh, Convention Centre, and Hamilton Place. Mario, thank you so much for the time and uh, insight. Much appreciated. Good luck with all of this. We'll be watching. Thank you, Scott. My pleasure, and take care. Good talking to you again. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Honestly, this was a uh, headline that I read in the Hamilton Spectator last week, and and I wrote a column for the spec for six years, and I swear I've used a headline, or they used a headline very similar to that one. Not that they're the same in any way. Uh, this one, I believe, was about Lime Ridge and the arena. Mine was about the, the stadium and that whole debacle. But it's amazing. So many things have changed. The projects have changed. The mayors have changed. But the city council stays virtually the same. Maybe that has something to do with it. The lifers that are on city council. Uh, Feel free to weigh in on that. We would love to hear from you. All right. uh, Let's talk school strike. That'll put you in a good mood on a Friday. Uh, Yeah, it's it's continuing on rotating strikes and such. Although uh, the premier, Doug Ford, said earlier today that his patience is wearing thin on all of this. Uh, interesting uh, topic that has come out because when we've been talking about this for the last several weeks, it's always been about class size, e-learning, or compensation, depending on which side of this uh, fence you're on. Now we're talking about full-day kindergarten has come back into the headlines. Uh, that being said, I remember uh, quite—I um, remember talking to the to Stephen Lecce about this, and he said kindergarten's not even an issue, and, and that dates back to the beginning of all of this, and that they. They had planned to to keep all day kindergarten. So why is this now coming on to the table? Let's bring in uh, Travis Danraj, Queens Park Bureau Chief, Global News, and he is with us now. Travis, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Hey, Scott, anytime. So, uh, again, as I mentioned in the preamble here, class size, e-learning were issues and compensation on the government side. Why is, is, is full day kindergarten coming back into this? Didn't the didn't the province already said that this was a go? Yeah, so, so that, that is the thing. Education Minister Stephen Lecce has publicly committed to all-day, they're calling it all-day learning, all-day kindergarten. Uh, in November, he talked to reporters and he said that, you know, there's no real proposal on his desk, there's no plan to change it. Uh, but the union is alleging, okay, well, if that is the case, and that's what the government is saying publicly, then put that in writing and assure us uh, that that is the case during contract negotiations. And they're alleging that the government negotiators are not, not doing that. They're unwilling to do that. So there's a fear now from uh, some of these early childhood educators and kindergarten teachers that they could go back on their word and that they are also using uh, the ratio and also full-day kindergarten as a, as a basically leverage and a chip at the negotiating table when publicly Stephen Lachey has said that they're not going to touch it. Uh, you know, Travis, uh, we hear on both sides that all oh, the other ones lying. The other ones lying all the time. Oh, They're yeah. spreading misfa- uh, you know, wrong facts, this, that, and the other, mistruth. Um, the public's trying to make sense of all of this in in the midst of it all. Um, uh, is it seem odd? It seems like we're we're arguing about something that isn't even there. It seems like we're now just looking for things to talk about. <laughs> Has it got to that point, or am I am I simplifying this? Well, I mean, listen, the, 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 the model right now is that there's one uh, kindergarten teacher and one ECE in the classroom. There was discussion as to whether or not that ratio would change. Stephen Lecce uh, has not said 
uh, in writing, at least, according to the union, that that ratio is not going to change. Now, there could be some savings there in terms of money if you reduced it down to just an ECE in the class or just a teacher in the class. There would be significant savings. Uh, it doesn't seem publicly like they are going to change the model, but what the union is saying, basically, is that, you know, that they're not making that commitment, and so they're worried. So, yeah, it is one of those things where, you you know, you kind of either believe what the government is saying or you believe what the union is saying, but it's certainly out there, and full-day kindergarten is one of those big issues that parents are pretty passionate about. That's why uh, I'm wondering here, because, you know, this is obviously a, a hot-button topic for parents, and it seems like we're bringing it up just to have another argument when it's already been put to bed. Right. So is it a scare tactic that the union is putting out there to get parents, you know, all up in arms saying that the government's going to take away full-day kindergarten? Or, or is it uh, the government uh, trying to kind of right. not commit uh, at the table and, and use it as a negotiating tactic? Well, that's the big question. Today on Global News at 530, I'm doing a story actually on the, the marketing campaign that has been waged by both the government and uh, particularly the unions when it comes to all of this. And we kind of look at that that battle for public opinion, because that's really where it's at right now, because not much work is being done at the actual table. It really is a PR battle, that is for sure. Um, Premier Ford said today, uh, patients wearing thin, what's that all about, and what does that mean moving forward? I mean, essentially, he kind of laid down the, the line, which he has done before, saying that they're not budging on this 1%. So, you know, uh, the government has said repeatedly that this is about compensation for the teachers and that they want a 2% raise. They cannot afford that, the government says, that they are willing to go to 1%, but nothing beyond that. And uh, the premier today, he was in an announcement in uh, this saga about um, funding, more funding for police there for to fight guns and gangs, but he was asked, uh, obviously, about the education file, because that's the hot topic right now, and he said that, listen, he's been traveling across the province in the past couple of weeks, and he is being told, this is what he says, that people are telling him, don't budge when it comes to the teachers, and he supports the frontline teachers, he says, and that they are, you know, well-paid, uh, but but that's basically the line in the, in the line sand. Now, the the unions have said that it's not about compensation, it's about class sizes, it's about e-learning, but when specifically asked if they're willing to move on the 2%, they don't really answer that question. Hmm. Wow. As this continues to unfold, Travis Danrodge is with us, Queen's Park Bureau Chief, and make sure you're watching Global News tonight at 5.30 and 6 for more on this, including Travis's report on the promotion machine and the marketing of all of this. Travis, as always, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks, Scott. Take care. It is two fourteen. Uh, it, I, I'm 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 confused at this because again we've had Stephen Lecce, the education minister, on the air several times, and he has said that all day kindergarten is a go. It it's, was put to bed long ago, and yet uh, for the last several weeks, all we have we've heard nothing about kindergarten, all-day kindergarten. Instead, the union's been hammering at the class size, been hammering about how they don't like e-learning, and then the government's hammering about compensation. And now, all of a sudden, because it appears that people are finally getting fed up of all of this, that the union's changing tactics and throwing kindergarten back up there in order to scare everybody. And then the same unions tell us that the government's lying all the time. Uh, You know, it's bizarre. Because now the headline is protecting full-day kindergarten, a top priority for Ontario educators. It's never been an issue because they said the template's not changing.
But I guess that's not getting any traction with class size and e-learning, so we got to start bringing things to the table that don't really even exist. Again, we love our teachers. Love them to death. They do a great job. But man, we are getting tired of this. And they, the unions just seem to steamroll over everybody, no matter what the government of the day is, including the teachers, Premier Dalton McGinty. Not giving us what we want? You're gone. Walk the plank. And now all of a sudden they're bringing up kindergarten? Oh, they're going to get... No, they already said. Stephen Lecce said on the show. The template stays the same. But I guess, again, in the, uh, the big public relations machine that is these unions, and that's what it is. Travis Danraj is going to do a report on that tonight on how much money is being spent and way more by the union than you'll ever see from the government. Just to try to convince you that this is not like the guys that work on the line at Ford and Chevy. They don't go on strike to build you a better car. They go on strike to get a better labor agreement for them. Well, it's the same here, except the product is your kids. It's not a student union. It's a teacher's union. And again, you never hear the car companies going on strike so they can build you a better Chevy. Similarly, the unions aren't going on strike to give you a better kid. It's amazing how the wool has been pulled over the eyes of the public with this giant public relations machine that is the teachers' unions. It's bigger than the political parties. They are more powerful than any political party. And you didn't even vote for them. Is that right? The Scott Thompson Show. Weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML. This is the Scott Thompson Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or wherever you get yours. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review so you don't miss a thing. I'm Scott Thompson, and thanks for listening.